Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Hebrews 12 and 2, we're kind of huddled around this scripture for a few weeks here in this joy series. And I want to talk to you for a little while about joy in the journey. Joy in the journey. How many know that we're not just focused on the destination, but God wants us to grow and to learn from Him through the journey. Amen? Uh, That was weak. Amen? (laughs) All right, good. Glad to hear you're here. Good to see all these faces. We love you very much. I have an ocean in the monitor, brother. It's going to put me to sleep. I'm just going to I hear ocean waves. It's lovely. Uh, let's go to Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, I mean, remember this scripture from last week? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. And we're going to continue through some other scriptures, but I want to just talk to you a little bit about how the joy of the Lord is your strength and how it's made to help you on your journey. Because life isn't always easy, but God has provided for us in this journey. Amen? Lord, we ask you for the blessings of your word to enrich us, to take us from this place. Give me the words to say better than I can speak them any other time. Let your anointing touch my life and let it help me to help somebody. Bless the minds and ears of those that are here to receive what you want them to receive. For the word of God is living and it will touch them in the place where they're living. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. The minister was opening the service in prayer. And... uh, Got a prayer request for a husband who went out to sea. It was a sailor. It was going out to sea. And the note said, John Anderson, having gone to sea, S-E-A, his wife desires the prayers of the congregation for his safety. Sounds like a good prayer, right? Well, the minister, in his haste, picked up the slip and read it aloud and said, John Anderson, having gone to see his wife, desires prayers for the congregation for his safety. <laughs> Sometimes things are not always, <laughs> don't always come out the way they're supposed to. As a pastor, I know that very well. Having to speak every single week or say something that's supposed to encourage somebody and you want to help people, but sometimes you just have to point them to the Word of God to help them. There's nothing greater than the Word of God in the earth. Amen? There's nothing more powerful than the Word of God in the earth. And the word tells us that there's joy unspeakable and full of glory in God. There's there's joy in the spirit, that it's one of the fruit of the spirit. And so with the spirit of God comes joy. And that joy is something that he pours into us when we are filled with his spirit. And we can live on that joy. In fact, scripture tells us what the joy of the Lord is in scripture. It walks us through different words. You can study it yourself. You can look it up. It's, it's probably very easy for you to download an app and find out what exactly the joy of the Lord is. 
But when you're searching out the scripture, you see several words like, um, you know, and, and as far as the joy of the Lord, you see rejoice a lot of times in scripture. And rejoice itself, for some reason, gives us an understanding of praise. But if we were to do a little bit of review today, I wanted to hit a couple of points that I hit last week because I, I don't want to go into the joy of the Lord being your strength as Nehemiah talked about until I, I come back to a couple things and that is when we live for God we often have an understanding that we are a vessel that's filled and so we have our cup again last week how many enjoyed Seth getting soaking wet last week standing in a kiddie pool um, so what I did first was I filled this cup and that's what it's like to be filled with the spirit of God and with that comes the fruit of the Spirit, which includes joy. And so we called the water the joy of the Lord. And he had this cup. And a lot of people have the understanding that I am a vessel, that the Holy Spirit fills me. But And when I come to church, I feel better. Why? Because you get full. You get filled up with some some of the things of God that's important. I'm not just talking I'm not talking about initial infilling of the Holy Ghost right now. I'm talking about having already been saved. I'm not talking about people that are not saved. You can live a life where you come to church, get full, go out and live your week sipping on the things of God and empty your cup and come back to church and fill up. That's not an unsaved person I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that either have God as their source all the time or live like they're filling and refilling. That's what rejoice means, to rejoy is what it means, to refill yourself with joy. So God does not hold us in a place of contempt just because we live our life as a vessel being filled, then being spent, then being filled, then being spent. That is not a negative thing. But it's always better to have the source, amen? So the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength, of possessive of the person who owns the joy. In other words, when the Bible talks about something of the Lord, it's saying it belongs to God. So even though I have the Holy Spirit filling my life and I'm living as a vessel of the Lord and I'm emptying, I'm being empty on a regular basis, I can say that I have the joy of the Lord in my cup as I'm going to and fro throughout my week. But that doesn't mean that's all the joy that God has. That'd be like walking to the ocean, filling this cup with ocean water and saying, I have the ocean in my cup. That statement is true, Correct. I just put ocean water in my cup. The ocean is in my cup. That is a true statement. But that doesn't mean all the ocean is in my cup. That's the beauty of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that God was in Christ, but that's not all of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get a life that's sourced in God. Not a vessel that's just filled and emptied, filled and emptied, but where we actually live constantly being renewed, constantly being refilled. The outer man perisheth, but the inner man is renewed day by day, Paul said. So he said, you can live like this and God will renew your inner man. God will honor your life lived where you fill up at church and go and live your life. Come back and fill up in your devotion. Go and live your life. Come and fill up in your prayer time. Go and live your life. But he said, there's a better thing where you you pray without ceasing, or you spend time in my presence, but then when you leave my presence, you haven't left my presence. You understand what I'm saying? That even though you don't feel him manifested with you, he's still with you. And that's what it's like to start drinking from the source. So instead of coming and being filled a little bit each week, or filled up some each week, you start drinking from the location that it comes from. 
There's a power in knowing your source. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That whenever you take a Jersey cow out of the field and you throw it in the ocean, it's not going to live because you removed it from its source. You take a fish from the ocean and throw it in a field. It's not going to live because you took it out of its source. You can live going to the source and getting refilled, or you can live in the source. That's the difference that I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about where you either fight a little bit with God sometimes and say, no, I don't think I'm going to church this Sunday. I got more priorities or, or maybe I've aligned some things differently. Or you can say, I don't want to be, I don't want to be any place but the house of God this morning. I don't want to do anything but go and be filled with the presence of God. That's the difference between source and not. And we talked about when we were filling, we were filling up Seth's glass and he was drinking or, or we removed the glass and we actually started filling, uh, having him drink from the source. It changes the way you look because it started to spill down him. You're never going to feel the full saturation of God. You're never going to feel the full overwhelming power of God and, and it's, it's beauty if you don't learn to go directly to the source, Amen. Not to live on man's wisdom, but to live on God's word. Amen? Not to take everybody's word for it, but to go search it out for yourself. To get to the source for yourself. That's what this is all about. Not just a place to come and enjoy the springs of life, but to come here and learn the word of God. So when someone tells you something that doesn't align with the word of God, you can come back and say, no, I believe chapter and verse says this, and I'm going to stand on the word over man's opinion. I'm going to trust in God over trusting in man. That is what this is all about is getting everyone in this room to the source, which is God. That's what it's all about. And living in that source means living in joy, amen? Because in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So we understand that it's going to change the way you look when you live drinking from the source. Have ever seen somebody that's just posted a video and they're just sloshed? You know, there's absolutely drunk. Like, <laughs> and they're just... They're drinking from something way too big for them and it just ends up all over them. That's what it's like in God's presence, amen? You, the Bible, whenever they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spilled out of the, in, in, in Jerusalem and, and they were saying, these men are drunk. Like, no, they just found the source. They just finally found the source. God came and filled them with his spirit. And that spirit inside of us that was crying out for redemption cried out now through the Holy Ghost, Abba, Father. And God said, Son, when they spoke in tongues. His spirit gives the utterance. It's the new birth. It's what God says takes you from being of the lineage of man to being of the lineage of the Most High. In other words, it gives you the blessings from God. Holy Spirit infilling is the new birth because it, it allows your spirit to cry, Abba, Father. Your spirit cannot cry, Father, properly until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. But when you get filled with the that's why everybody needs the Holy Ghost. I preach it, stand on it, live it. Because because when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, every broken parent relationship is instantly healed in the presence of God. You may still live with the, the grief. You may still live with the problems, but the Holy Ghost allows you to cry, Father. And the Holy Spirit, when it prays out of you in tongues, allows God to say through you by the anointing and by the utterance of God through your own tongue, say, Son. That's what the Holy Ghost does. That's why I believe in the new birth process. 
Because I know that God changes us when we get filled with the Holy Ghost and that joy comes in. Go through the book of Acts. You'll see all the experience. They were excited. There was joy when they were filled with the Holy Ghost. It came with it. Amen. I get really excited about the word of God and the truth of God because I didn't have a good father. And so whenever I come to the Lord, I was just talking to Jesus about this yesterday. We were working on some tiles here and in the ceiling, and I, I just was talking to him about the beauty of understanding the mercy and the grace of God and all of those things, and how God saw us fallen as man, and, he, and God's wisdom counseled with his own self. Amen? He's so amazing, he counsels with his own. We're, we're created in God's image. We counsel with our own self. Have you ever said, let's see, what are we going to do today? You just said, let us see. What are we going to, are you schizophrenic? No, you're not. You just counseled with your own self is what you did. Let's see, what should we do today? That's the same thing God does in scripture when he said, let us make man in our image. Let's do something. So the wisdom of God says, what should we do? The power, the, the wisdom of God says, what should we do? The love of God says, we should do it. The power of God says, done. Amen? God does stuff for us that we don't even fully understand through the power of his spirit and through the joy that we get from the Holy Ghost. And somebody said, amen. 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 It affected what Seth was wearing. It covered his heart. And he started, whenever you start living from the source of joy, you start saying things of the abundance of your heart that come from joy. Amen. It changes your perspective. God in his pockets, he wants to be a cheerful giver. We talked about that. I know this is a long review, but I apologize. I'm trying to move quickly. Now, living in the Spirit's power is very important. Scripture tells us that we're supposed to be guided by the Spirit. It was interesting that we, there's this play, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but there's this movement in America right now and in, in the church at large to remove the spirit, a lot of the spirit out of the church, the spirit working. I'm not talking about superstitious, um, super spiritual stuff. I'm talking about the, the flow and move of the Holy Ghost in a service. There is a, there is a movement that you don't need to lift your hands. You don't need to do that. There is, there is that. But there is then also a whole other section of, of, of the church age right now that are learning how to worship God and they're filling coliseums. And the generation that's supposed to be walking away from God is actually some walking to God because they're learning how to worship God. They're learning that God has power and they don't understand all of it, but they understand that they feel God. And they know that there's joy in that. There was a couple of teams that were going to play football against each other, kind of like the way the Packers are going to beat the Broncos later today. And, and uh, the funny thing is, they had set up a place to meet. This was a while back. And they had set up a place to meet, and they had special uniforms, and they had all the special promotion, and they did everything that they're supposed to do. And the teams came together, and they had these amazing outfits, and they had this amazing promotion. And when they got down to it, where they were starting to get ready for the game, and the two teams came out, and they were in their amazing outfits, and they're all pretty pumped about winning, and, and, and both teams are pretty evenly matched. It was going to be a really good game. And then they realized nobody brought the football. had everything they were supposed to have. They looked right. They talked right. They acted like it. 
They were muscle-bound. They were athletically able. They were capable. But nobody, for some reason, forgot to check, remember to check the box, bring the football. It's a little bit of a problem when you have all of the trappings and you miss the one thing that allows everything to move forward. And what's happening in our world is we can have all the trappings of church. We can have all the music. We can have all the perfect uh, graphics. We can have everything we want. But if we forget the Holy Ghost, the joy of the Lord that comes through the Holy Ghost, we have forgotten the thing that moves the church forward. And I had to get green and gold today for a football. <laughs> I don't know what your skill level is, but if we end up living life where we don't share what you got, Rob, where we don't share the anointing of the Holy Ghost with each other and we don't come to what you got. Here you go. Yeah. Nice, nice. I, I, I softened it a little bit so I could catch it with one hand because I was going to need a microphone. What you got, Jesus? Yeah. Get it back up here. Nice. We need to share the Holy Ghost with one another. When we come here, we should be excited about God. I should not only be able to share with you the experience of worship that we just had, but I also should leave here. Here you go, Tosh. I know she'll catch it. She's from a football family. <laughs> Sweeney's know how to catch a football. Here you go, Dean. What you got? Nice. He's not going to give it back. He's like, this is the worst analogy ever. <laughs> But what happens whenever we get here and we're not only living for the Lord, but then we start sharing the joy of the Lord with one another. It puts smiles on our face, doesn't it? it puts smiles on our face. If you weren't videoing, Jessica, I'd throw this football at you. <laughs> Might cause a little bit of a problem. But they forgot the football. So finally someone had to run out and buy a football for a major event. It should have been the one thing that was brought, but they forgot it. Let's not forget the most important thing is for us to come here and not just look good, not just put on a tie or whatever you want to wear, but not just come here and have it all polished and not have any power of God. The power of God is what changes life. It's what breaks the yokes of sin. And if we do all this right and we don't have a move of God in this place, we might as well shut it down and go do something different. We might as well all get in the car and go to the Packer game because there's nothing going to happen in this place that changes eternity without the Holy Ghost here, without the power of God falling. And we need to be open to that. We need to be open to that. No matter what your week was like, you need to be open to the moving of the power of God. Amen? And your last for a moment. Scripture says, favor lasts for a lifetime. We are favored by God. Weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes in the morning, says Scripture. Joy comes in the morning. Joy is known as a, joy is a word that means refuge in the original language. To be protected or to be guarded. Scripture literally tells us that if joy of the Lord is our strength, then the refuge of God is our strength. That joy creates a protection over our heart that gives us a place to, of refuge. I'm thankful for that because sometimes I need to run into his arms. Anybody want to be honest with me about that? Sometimes we need to run into God's arms, just be held by the Lord. There's a couple things that I know that help me, and I'm moving quickly. One thing that I know that gives me joy is that I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. 
and being a child of God, I know that all things are going to serve him ultimately. How many know he's a redeemer, amen? We were talking in the car on the way here when I went and picked up those Milwaukee folks. Wave at me, Milwaukee folks. They're, video they're videoing. I'm going to see this later online and go, why, Lord? But that's okay. I love it. I, I understand, hear me carefully, the divine law of attraction from God. And that is if we get honest and come in this place and offer our needs to God, that void in faith brings God right into our situation. He is a God who speaks about being full in the scripture, that it's not a good thing, lest you be full and you forget your God. He doesn't want us to think we're always full. He wants us to come with our need and be honest enough to come with our need. Because when we come with our need, he is drawn to that. He, when, when you look at a full God and, and an empty individual that says, Lord, I need you. It's, it's, it's a funny thing. It's a curious thing as a pastor where I see people that sit on the pew with their legs crossed and their arms folded and they're not really interested in getting a hold of God because they don't need anything. But you put somebody next to them that are in, that's in a desperate situation and they need God, they'll be like, ah, ah, I need the Lord. They'll get, they'll get beside, they'll, they'll knock your hat off. They'll step on your blue suede shoes. They'll do all kinds of stuff because they're desperate for God and God answers that desire. God answers that enthusiasm. Why? Not because they're making so much racket and so much noise, but because he answers honesty and faith to believe that if I have a need, God will fill that need if we just take it to him. He's the redeemer of all things. He's the balancer of all things. Amen? Moses gets angry and hits a rock and can't go into the promised land. Joseph wastes years of his life obliged to chase other people's dreams while he himself has his dreams permanently, it seems, on hold. Others in scripture are doing things for God and see, it seems like they've lost either their life or their future in failure. Joseph, look at Joseph. You see his life spent toiling, and finally God answers the dream. But look at others. Look at Paul, who's shipwrecked, all kinds of things he's going through in his life. And, and, and still, you see beauty in his life because you see that Stephen, while he's stoned for the message, the message he tries to tell is translated to a man standing there holding coats. And that man was Paul who turned the world upside down for the message Stephen was trying to tell as he was being stoned. There's balance in God. There's balance in the word. There's a, there's a, there's a power that we have to understand that we cannot control, that God will do great things for us. And even if we feel like it's late, even if it feels like God hasn't done it yet, even if we feel like we should be further along by now, God will balance the tables because he's a redeemer. Amen. And we have to take joy in knowing that we're his children and that he always blesses his children. Amen? That's important to me because I know that God blesses his children. I don't know if you are following, following the news right now, but Netanyahu is in the process of trying to be reelected as the prime minister. And I'm not sure if he did or not. I kind of checked out of the news halfway through the week. But he wrote a letter 
that said only 70 years ago, the Jews were taken to slaughter like sheep. 60 years ago, no country, no army. These are God's people, the people that God chose to bless. Seven Arab countries declared war on the small Jewish state. Only a few hours after its creation, we, we were 650,000 Jews against many millions in, in the Arab world. There was no strong IDF, Israel Defense Force, no powerful air force to save us, but only brave Jewish people with nowhere else to go. Amen? They had a need. And God filled it. Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, Egypt, Libya, uh, Libya, Saudi Arabia, all attacked at the same time. The country that was the United Nations gave us, uh, that the United Nations gave us was 65% desert. These were God's people. These were God's children. And this is the letter from Netanyahu. He said, 35 years ago, we fought the three most powerful armies in the Middle East, and we swept them in six days. Listen to how God protects his people. Listen to how God stands for his children. We fought against various conditions of, of Arab countries, which had modern armies and many Soviet weapons, and we have always beaten them. Today, we have a state, country, an army, a powerful air force, a state-of-the-art economy with effort, with exports worth billions. It's actually over $309 billion this year for Israel. Intel, Microsoft, IBM, and many high-tech companies develop cutting-edge products in Israel. What am I saying? They're God's children. They're going to be blessed because they're God's children. Our doctors receive awards for medical research. We make the desert bloom. <laughs> Somebody go ahead and preach your own message on that one. And sell oranges, flowers, and vegetables all over the world. Israel has sent its own satellites into space. Amen, somebody. Three satellites at the same time. We are proud to be the at the same rank as the United States, which has 250 million inhabitants, Russia, which has 200 million inhabitants, China, which has 1.3 billion inhabitants, Europe, France, Great Britain, Germany, with 350 million inhabitants, the only countries in the world to send objects into space and, and say that only six years ago, we had nothing. Only 60 years ago, we had nothing. We were led, ashamed, and hopeless to slaughter. We have experienced the smoking ruins of Europe. We have won our wars here in Israel and less, with less than nothing because God was on our side. Amen, somebody. We built our little empire from nothing. Who is Hamas to scare me, to terrify me? You make me laugh, he said. Passover was celebrated anyways. They were threatening them in the time of Passover, and they still went ahead and had their Passover because Passover points to Christ, amen? And so they were honoring Christ. Let's not forget what Passover is. We survived Pharaoh. Listen to what the children of God can survive. Hear me. Don't, don't get bored. I hope I'm not boring you. Let the children of God re be remembered as they survived Pharaoh. We survived the Greeks. We survived the Romans. We survived the Inquisition of, in Spain. We have the, pro we have the programs, the 
pogroms in, I can't even say it, pogroms in Russia. We survived Hitler. We survived the Germans. We survived the Holocaust. We survived the armies of seven Arab countries. We survived Saddam, and we survived the enemies of present. Think of any time in human history where another people did that. It's because they're the children of the Most High. And so are you. And so are you. Think about it for us, the Jewish people. The situation has never been better. Then let's face the world. Let's remember all nations, empires, cultures who once tried to destroy us no longer exist today while we still live. Egypt no longer exists. Babylon, Greek, Alexander of Macedonia no longer exists. The Romans, does anybody still speak Latin anymore? But they're still speaking Hebrew. The Third Reich no longer exists. And look at us, the slaves of Egypt, the people of Moses, the nation of the Bible, we still are here. I promise you, if you get the joy in your heart that you are a child of God, you will have stickability. You'll have staying power. You'll have the ability to look back and say, they may be gone, but I'm still here by the grace of Almighty God. And he's kept me. He's redeemed me. And he's balanced the wrongs in my life. Amen, somebody. So forgive us for not worrying, not crying, not being afraid. If we weep, we weep for joy, that we have a heavenly home, a place far beyond this earth. And no matter what the ceremony or sacrifice it takes, no matter the difficulties or the circumstance, I will not let my joy be taken by something on this earth whenever I've been given it from heaven. The Holy Ghost is my joy. It could certainly get better at times in all of our lives. I'd like to stop this joy series because everything is breaking in my life for the last three weeks. Church flooded. My car just completely quit. It's done. I'm giving it to Rawhide Boys Ranch on Monday because it's just done. Found stuff that I shouldn't find. I, I, I saw some things I didn't even want to see. There's moments where I was, I was asking the Lord, why is it so difficult this week at work and other things going on? Just pile upon pile. It's like, you know, when it rains, it pours. Ever heard that? All that while I'm trying to do a joy series. That's a lot of fun. But there's still joy because Jesus is still in my boat. Sometimes he speaks to the wind and the waves. Sometimes he speaks to the one that's in the wind and the waves. And you have to understand that having him on your boat's the most important thing. Having Jesus with you is the most important thing. Not whether the storm is ceased or whether you make the best of it, but because he's in the storm with you. There's a little adventure that some scientists embarked on. It's called the Biodome 2. It was first the Biodome 1. It was the early 90s. They decided to build a two-and-a-half-foot football field dome. You preached about it one time, I believe, Reese. You were teaching on it one time. And they decided to build an absolutely enclosed environment, everything, all enclosed, man-created, in Oracle, Arizona. It's about two hours out of Tucson, Arizona. And what they found out was they could grow all the species and they could do all the things that were natural. And they were using this, the trees for the oxygen and they were doing, they had built every environment that's on the earth inside this dome. It's called the biodome, and 
There was two crews of scientists. One, one crew went in for a certain amount of years, and the next crew went in for seven years. And they found out that everything grew quickly, and the trees grew fast. But when they grew up, they would fall over and lay to the ground before they got to the point of reproducing fruit. And they didn't understand why. So they brought in extra scientists, and they started to look, and they came. There's, there was a lot of problems, but this was the one that was notable. And they realized that while the same species in the wild was hardwood and stood strong and would grow and reproduce and replenish itself throughout the earth, that same species in the biodome in a controlled environment would fall over to the ground before it had a chance to reproduce. It wasn't strong enough to stand under its own weight. And what they found out was the only difference between the wild and the biodome was there was no wind. There was no resistance in the life of the tree. There was no place for it to have to grow deeper roots to stay standing. There was no place for it to have to grow stronger hardwood for it to stay standing. It didn't have any struggle or resistance, and there was no wind. So they found out that the same species, just because there was winds of adversity, it grew and it reproduced and it came to full maturation, all because it had something that was a struggle in its life. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what struggles you're facing this week. I am a preacher that preaches to difficulty. I know this. I know that's my candy stick because I grew up in difficulty. But I want you to know that God blesses us even though we go through hard times. Brothers and sisters, hear me. His, the blessings of God are for the difficult moments, but they're also for us to rejoice in them. Or to rejoice in them. Deuteronomy 33 and 24, Moses is blessing the tribes of Israel as he's passing away. And he says, in verse 24, he says, in, and of Asher, he said, let Asher be blessed with children. You know who Asher is. That's Leah's son. Let him be accepted of his, to his brethren and let him dip his foot in oil. Let him be anointed. Like, Thy shoe shall be as iron and brass, and as the days, don't check out because we're about to get to the best part, one of the best scriptures, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Remember last week when I talked about you cannot live an imaginary life and have God bless it. You have to live a real life because he is a spirit of truth in imaginations and that which is online and, and that which is fake. He cannot endorse that. He doesn't give us the permission to go on journeys into our future because when we go on a journey into what we imagine tomorrow will be like and develop worry and develop fret over it, we are worrying over something that has not happened and it may not even be true. So therefore, God cannot endorse it because he's a spirit of truth. When you step into your future and bring what you think will be the problems of your future into your today, you exhaust yourself spiritually. You pour out every bit of joy out of your life. And the reason why is because you go on that journey alone. 
When you travel mentally into tomorrow and take on problems that are not yet here and now, you go on that journey without joy, which is your refuge. That's why some people are always exhausted. That's why some people lay down to rest at night and get up exhausted because they are living in tomorrow's problems, living in the imaginations of what might be. And God cannot go with you there, for he is a very present help in time of trouble. The eternal God said in the blessing to Asher that as thy days are, so shall thy strength be. In other words, God's promise to his people because we are heirs of those promises is that as your days are, whatever trouble comes to today, I'm going to be there with strength for you. So go back to the beginning and understand that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Understand that that doesn't mean that it's just the ability, but it means that it's the capability to work your way through whatever happens right now to you. Today, when you go home, on your way home, whatever happens to you, God will make a way right now in your day because he's promised to do that. As thy days are, so shall thy strength be. I got a little review point in there. From last week, there is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God, see this, the eternal God is thy refuge. Same word used for joy. The eternal God is your joy. This is the recipe for a successful life. You want it? Here it is. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. The recipe for a successful life is to have the joy of the Lord in your life and to know that underneath you are the everlasting arms so you can never, mm, you can fall, but you can never fall through. Do you hear what I'm saying? That you may trip and fall a thousand times and feel like you're just getting back up and getting back up. But really the difference is you're falling into his arms and you're not falling through, amen? You're going to get back up again. He can, you cannot be taken out of his hands and his arms. Underneath are the everlasting arms. So the God who is eternal is your joy and refuge. And underneath you, he's holding you. He's got his arms under your situation. He's lifting you up. He's helping you. And he and he shall tr thrust out the enemy from before thee. He'll push out the things that are against you and shall say, destroy them. Verse 28, Israel then shall dwell in safety alone. The fountain of Jacob shall be upon a land, be upon a land of corn and wine also his heavens shall drop down dew. In other words, he's going to open up the earth's blessings and he's going to open up heaven's blessings. That's what this means to us, that God literally is saying, if you understand that I'm an eternal God, that I'm the author and the finisher, we're back to our text, of your faith, that I'm the beginning and the end, you will understand that I have joy for your struggle and joy for your journey and you will make it through. If you know that I'm the God who can bless you in this earth and can bless you from heaven. Amen, somebody. Let's stand to our feet today. So don't forget your joy.
Don't get all suited up. Get all ready for the game. Get excited about winning and forget the one thing that can help you win. The strength, the joy, the refuge in your life. Would you bow your heads with me and pray, Jesus? We've been through a lot this week, but I want to thank you for being the joy of our life, for being the place of refuge in our life. Thank you for that blessing that you poured out from Moses' lips on Asher, and that whole tribe was blessed of it, and we are grafted in. We, the Gentiles, are grafted in to that blessing. So we know that by the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, we have the same blessings from God. And so I'm asking those blessings fall on somebody in this room right now. I take authority in the name of Jesus to everything that stands against their joy, stands against their hope, stands against their dreams. I take authority over every voice that tries to speak louder, that tries to thunder, that tries to shake the earth, that tries to speak louder than God's whispering voice. But let us understand in this place today as we lift our hands and we worship the Lord that his whisper is always more powerful than the roar of this world. And anything else that's speaking cannot stand under the word of Almighty God. His word brings joy. His word was manifest. His word was ascended into heaven. His word came back through the power of the Holy Ghost. And his word lives in us today. I pray for joy unspeakable and full of glory. I pray everyone that has a need would dig some ditches in the wilderness. I pray everyone that has a need would right now get honest with God in this room and say, Lord, I need you. I mix my faith with that need right now in the name of Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I'm honest with you, God. I have trouble in this area. I have trouble in that area. And though there's things going on, I know you're a God of refuge and you're going to help and you're going to be there in this situation. I trust in you, Jesus. I put all my faith and hope in the Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Would you take a time of prayer if you'd like to? The altar's open. Would you come and be refilled if you need to? Would you come and move your vessel out of the way and just say, Lord, become my source. Lord, would you just become everything for me right now? Would you become my all in all? Would you help me to live in today and not take on anything from tomorrow? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, the altar's open. If you need Jesus more than you've ever needed him before, if you, if you will be honest and admit that to God, he'll meet you right here. The divine law of attraction will kick in right now, and God will be drawn to you magnetically. His spirit that is full will be drawn to your need that is empty. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Come on, trade in your sorrow for joy right now.